Welcome to Bag Talk. I'm your host, Mr. Three One Three Real Estate. Bag Talk podcast is brought to you by Hyperion Capital. Hyperion Capital is a place where you can get all of your business funding needs, whether it be equipment financing, merchant cash advances, uh, SBO loans, term loans for short-term, long-term financing, business lines of credit. HyperionCapital.net. Go there to apply and see what you qualify for, or you can contact us at contact us at HyperionCapital.net. So, just in the uh, local news, this just came out. About the 42%, I'm sorry, the drop in Facebook. Apparently, Facebook has lost $16 billion over the last quarter. This is pretty significant considering the controversy with the the investigations that's going on in the White House and Russian interference. I mean, since their inception, I believe in 2004, Facebook has been exceptional at making money. But since the third quarter or the second quarter of 2016, they've had just drop after drop. Now, they didn't have one um, bump in their revenue it was like 14 42% from last year uh, but since then it's just been sliding okay so apparently Facebook hit a record stock price on Wednesday and after release of its financial results its shares dropped the stunning 24% in after hours trading so that's pretty significant. But this just goes to show you that business isn't always about dollars and cents. It is about your brand. Um, it's about how you react, especially when you're a public company. I mean, Facebook is exposed to pretty much 95% of the American population. I mean, pretty much everyone has a Facebook account. Okay, so with their dominance, United States, Canada, you know, the UK, Mexico, it's, they obviously have a footprint on the market, you know, with the billions of dollars they've been able to make in the past 10, 15 years. But in order to continue that and growing, especially when you're in the technology space, when technology's changing so much, you're going to have high operational costs for engineers and computer systems and cloud space and the like and without the proper revenue to match that you're gonna see economic collapses like this now they they may be able to get out of it or it may just be continuing to flatline so they they've made some changes they'll be interested to see if they can make some changes um, 
to get an upswing or at least to stop the bleeding. Okay. But there's that. So it'll be interesting to see what the Zuck has to say about this. Alright. Now in entertainment news, obviously, um, the show Power is back on. I think it's like five episodes in. Um, it's a little slow. Um, the first two episodes, but it's it's picked up the last um, you know, three episodes. You know, it's it's gotten a little bit more interesting. Um so, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see, man. I believe in season five there is going to be what twelve episodes, I believe. Well, I think what they were able to do and what made Power successful, the first two seasons with how they develop characters, you know, obviously um, Angela Valdez coming into the picture, you didn't quite know what she was going to bring and what drama and trouble she was going to bring when she first came in. But we've seen how that unfolded, you know, um, Special Agent Greg Knox. We see how that came into place, you know, and the different villains like, you know, Lobos and, you know, all the different, you know, drug connects that have been on the show. Uh, we've seen the, the, the transformation of Kanan. Now we're wondering, is, is Kanan really... Like back is he is he is is all is forgiven or is Kanan just still Kanan? And then you have Ghost, who's kind of like the first you know two three seasons he was you know always on top of things you know always in control you know always you know anticipating the next move and he's been kind of caught slipping he's been compromised a bit you know the last couple of years with the murder he was in jail and. You know, he's almost lost his business, and he's no longer drug kingpin. He's kind of been pushed out. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how it goes places. Because he's having problems, you know, living a legit life. You know, he's trying to do this fundraiser thing with uh, Councilman Tate, the character that Lorenz um, Tate is playing. And we, we see... He's starting to see that there's really no difference in being in the streets and in the square world, and especially in politics. You know, it's, it's kind of like the same type of issues. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that all progresses. But I like the show Power. You know, I, I think Notorious Non plays a good job as um, it's Tasha. I like Joseph Secure uh, playing Tommy. You know, of course, Amari Hardwick, 50 Cent. You know, Lilo Loren is Angela Valdez. And they, they've added a few more characters. Um, I would like to see a little bit more uh, character development. I think we're going to see Loren's Tate um, 
kind of get pushed into it more. We kind of kind of see more about what he's about because it seems he seems to know a lot more about Ghost and Dre than what he leaves on. And shout out to Rutimio as well. Rutimio playing a very good job as Dre. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, rest of the shows I'm looking forward to next week, uh, well, next month. Um, you got Ballers. Um, coming back in August. Uh, disappointed that Jamie Foxx's show on Showtime, White Famous, wasn't picked up. I really liked the show with Jay Farrell, you know, Michael Rappaport. I liked it. I liked the direction it was going. I mean, I liked all the cameo appearances, but you know, they didn't want to keep it going. So hopefully another... Network or something will pick up the show, man, because I really like the show, White Famous. Um, Ray Donovan is coming back. That's been announced. Um, you know, season six, you know, Ray Donovan is coming back in August. Um, they've already announced. Walking Dead coming back, I think, early October. It's another show I watch. I haven't really watched Fear of the Walking Dead. I have to get caught up on that. Then, of course, we just had Comic-Con. They announced that um, Game of Thrones was coming back April of uh, 2019. So, I don't watch a lot of shows, but those are kind of like the the main shows that I, that I do watch. You know, I kind of make it a point to get caught up on so apparently what's trending in the news now is uh, this whole McDonald's fight I mean this this chick she got you know it's a big girl she's you know she's about six foot you know um, I don't know I don't know if she's 300 pounds she's close to it and the Smaller girl, they kind of get into a a little scuffle. Um, for some reason, this chick decided to splash a milkshake in this chick's face, and she went total WWF on this bitch. But what I don't understand is, you know, I mean, this chick is getting living shit beat out of her. And she's still fighting. That's like the crazy... I mean, she's she's getting thrown around like a rag doll. And, and she's still, like, coming back for more shit. Like, she picks up a chair. Like, that's... That's pretty amazing. Like, what does it take for you to get the point that you're getting your ass whooped and there's nothing you can do about it? So, I don't know. Maybe it had to be more to this story because they might have known each other because, I mean, she just kept coming back for more. But you just got to check it out, man. This shit's hilarious. Um, very disturbing news here in Detroit. Uh, it was a Popeye's chicken on the east side of Detroit, um, not far from City Airport. 
Um, and shout out to the sister who kind of like put this out there because, you know, there's a lot of fuckery that goes on in these fast food restaurants and the, really the fast food industry, I think, is on its way out. You know, a lot of these places, you know, they're, they're losing money and they're not, they, they, they're unable to hire because of the low wages. They, they can't hire us much quality employees that they used to. I remember there was a time when I was younger when, you know, working at fast food place was somewhat of a career. I mean, you could make a living off this shit. And, you know, you had more, you know, you had more adult type people who who were more responsible working there. You know, now you just kind of got a lot of dope heads and just whoever you can scrape together you know, working in these type of places, and it, and not, not all of them, because there's, there's a lot of McDonald's that are, you know, a lot of fast food places that have great customer service to keep the place clean, they keep the facilities and the bathrooms clean, they're constantly monitoring the trash in the areas, they have someone out there changing out the garbage, and keeping the outside area clean, and they kind of stand on top of it. They're always fully staffed. There's never, you know, sometimes you go in some of these places, there's like, you know, three people in there. It's like, you know, one person doing drive through and fries and this and that. You got one person cooking, one person at the register and there. You know, it's like three people in the, in the whole fucking place. And it's like, man, how do you guys, like, operate with just three people? And so, I mean, I couldn't even watch the whole thing. I mean, what I witnessed with this shit, I mean, it was just, it was pretty bad. I mean, worms everywhere, obviously roaches, you know, infestation of rodents, you know, filth. I mean, you know, stale food. I mean, it's just like criminal type shit. Like, I don't know who fucking owns this place, who owns that Popeye's chicken, but there needs to be like major, major lawsuits for this shit. I mean, it's, you know, that was that was crazy. That that was, you know, pure craziness that, that that went on from what I saw. But you know, that's <coughs> excuse me. I mean, that's just you know the what has become. Of a lot of these places. A lot of these places. The last. You know. Six. Seven, you know. I would say the 10 years. You know. Just the decline. In the inequality of fast food restaurants. Which make it even more incentive. To kind of like. You know. Have your shit together. And, and eat better. Eat more quality foods. And. You know. You know, cut back on the fast food, the burger, fries, and the deep fried foods, and all that. So, well, for this is kind of like, um, you know, encourage people to kind of you know, not not be so uh, prone to go to fast food. You know, make the extra effort to get more into food prep and you know, eating to live, so to speak, instead of living to eat. You know, that old saying that people say. Uh, politics news. Don't really like to, you know, get into 
politics. I mean, obviously, um, there's been a couple of slings of uh, black people. I mean, past week, I think maybe four or five black people have been killed randomly. Uh, you know, Nia Wilson, I mean, I think she was only 18 years old, very attractive young lady, was killed by a cowardice worm. You know, she was just at the bar station, minor business. And this guy, uh, who's uh, many, from all things pointing to, was affiliated with a white supremacist group, uh, you know, just pretty much slain and just, you know, killed this young lady like she was a dog. And uh, very unfortunate. And what's even more unfortunate is the reaction from the family. Um, not taking a stand, just pretty much going along with the bullshit that the Oakland Police Department is spitting out. You know, kind of taking this thing lightly and not, you know, calling it for what it is. And, and really charging this guy with a hate crime. I mean, this was obviously racially motivated. This guy has... You know, hatred for black people in his heart, and it's not about him having a mental illness or him being troubled. He's just an animal, and you know, he needs to be charged as such, man. He, you know, I think this is a capital offense where maybe he should get the death penalty. You know, this wasn't a robbery. This, this, this wasn't. You know, this, this is just a guy who should have not been. Out in the streets, the Oakland police had an opportunity to take him in, and they let him slide. And this is what happens when you have a biased system. We have a biased system of justice where black people are not given the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not saying all black people should, you know, because there are people that should be locked up. But you know, when you when you give uh, deference um, to White men, in particular, who are criminals, who show, who have a history of violence and harming people, who that you know have affiliations with white supremacist groups, you know the Proud Boys being one of many that has reared its ugly head the last 10, 15 years, and is only getting more robust, um, recruiting more people, um, and they're infiltrating California. Canada and other areas, you know, and and they're getting more and more bolder and intentional um, with their machinations and their attacks on on black people. So this is something definitely I think you know, particularly our women, because you know these a lot of these men and these whites, well, these people in these white supremacist groups, they're very cowardice. They're not gonna just go to the hood where it's a whole bunch of people you know they're not gonna go to the east side of Detroit where it's like you know 30 black guys sitting out on the porch and just attack them and they're gonna go after easy targets I mean this girl was 18 young she's probably you know just thinking about where she was going next maybe she was on her phone not paying attention I looked like she was maybe 5'2 I mean a buck 15 I mean, she had no chance. Look like this guy is maybe 6'2", 6'3", 240 pounds. I mean, she was totally outmatched. And so that they, they look for, you know, they don't want an even fight. And, and even in the system, um, even within, you know, the police, I mean, usually when they're brutalizing a black guy, it's usually, you know, six, seven, eight cops, 
standing around multiple units they got dogs you know so you know we're always at a disadvantage when we're being harmed whether it's by law enforcement or it's by civilians and typically when civilians do it they tend to pick on black women or um, elderly black people you know or children um, individuals who can't defend themselves as easily as uh, black men can so I, I urge uh, my sisters out there to be more intentional about your surroundings and take your self-defense more seriously. Um, love to see more black women uh, get involved in, I'm sorry, in self-defense training, you know, learning basic skills, boxing, kickboxing, self-defense techniques, you know, uh, perhaps using a firearm on a lot of Women don't like firearms. They don't believe in them. But you have to have some type of, you know, self-defense training or knowing what to do if if someone wants to perpetrate you, if they want to attack you or kill you. You have to at least be able to stand your ground and defend yourself and to neutralize the situation so you can get out of harm's way. And uh, lastly, you know, there's been a lot of talk, you know, recently, um, C.J. McCollum, who's an NBA basketball player who plays for the Portland Trailblazers. He has a new podcast called Pull Up. And I think that's great because, you know, a lot of athletes have are getting more involved in the media. And I, and I think that's a great thing to see because, you know, I think everyone's getting tired of the, the traditional ESPN, you know, talking heads. One guy says one thing, the other says other type of news and way of covering sports. I think it's just been so over-covered, over-analyzed. I think people have kind of like, you know, they, they're looking for something different. And I think we're better than athletes interviewing other athletes. I, I, says, I think, number one, I think they're a little bit more comfortable uh, being interviewed by somebody that they know. And there's some better conversation and... You know, athletes, you know what to ask because especially when we're in the same sport, they're the same age, you know, they kind of have a better, they got more things in common than some, you know, if you got a guy like Kevin Durant, African-American black guy, grew up in the hood, and you got a 40-year-old middle-aged white guy trying to interview him, and it's like, you know, they have zero in common. So, um, obviously, the whole conversation came up about the whole Kevin Durant, Golden State, going to want to go to Golden State thing. It's just, I mean, I got it when, when, it, when it first happened, but, I mean, we're into year three now. We're, we're, in year three, we're going into year three of the Kevin Durant, and we're going to year one of Boogie Cousins. So... I think it's just time to get over this shit. You know, I think once you start complaining, you know, three years later, talking about, oh, you shouldn't have did it, and this and that, and it was too easy, you should have went somewhere else, it was more of a challenge. And it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's the year three. I mean, he's proven himself. He's proven himself to come into a situation where all the pressure was on him to perform, you know, he's become the leader of the team. He's become the go-to guy. He's hit big shots. 
it's not like Kevin came here and he just scores 40 points and he doesn't have to do any work and then they just went, they just, he scored, he goes home and that's it. He got two championships. I mean, he had to earn those two championships. He had to hit big shots, big time shots when the pressure was on and he did it. I think it's time to kind of just move on from the whole thing, you know, and, and kind of just focus on yourself and, you know, what other teams have to do to get better instead of keep crying about this whole Warriors situation. Which brings us into the subject um, about front-end and, and back-end game um, for men and women. As far as business, you know, interpersonal relationships, co-workers, um, male, female, family members. So we touched a little bit on it last week in a preview. Um, we didn't really get into the business aspect. I slightly talked about um, being parent, child, front end, back end game. Some Parents actually are better grandparents than they were parents, and vice versa. Some, you know, my mom's great mom, but grandparents, she's just not in, as involved as a grandparent. You know, I mean, I don't have any kids, but just with my nieces and nephews, she's not as involved with them as she was when I was a kid. But she was great on the front end. You know, some parents they weren't as good as parents to their children, but they become greater, better grandparents. But but I just think it's interesting, and I think it's important now that, you know, if you did have, you know, you were blessed to have two parents who loved you and cared for you, and you know, was there for you growing up, and, and provided like a stable environment for you to, you know, grow up in. That you kind of pay homage to those, your parents um, once you become an adult and to really pay things forward and you know try to be there for them as you know much as you can um as far as looking out for them and sometimes subconsciously you know we just kind of think that in a ways that you know our parents are kind of just gonna always be there they're always gonna just be around and you know they're, they're never gonna die and it's just not like that, unfortunately. You know, they get sick, they get older, and they have more needs as they get older. And, you know, we, we have to be there for them to accommodate them, you know, to help them out in, uh, you know, certain situations. Welcome to another episode of Bag Talk Radio. I'm your host, uh, Mr. 313 Real Estate. Uh, the homie 
uh, one time could not make it uh, for this episode, but uh, going to hope to have them back real soon. The sponsors for Bad Talk is brought to you by Hyperion Capital. Hyperion Capital will bring vision and light to your purpose and your business. We provide commercial funding. Um, it doesn't make sense not to own the business. I mean, not to own the building that you do business in. That goes for all my salon people, barbershops, cafes, coffee shops. Um, you own a business, especially brick and mortar. You want to have full control of the situation that you're doing business in. right? That's why we have places like Bakers and Floods and places like this that's been in Detroit for so long, man, because ownership of the building is just as important as the business itself. So we do help you explore those options. We help you get equipment for your businesses uh, as well as the capital that you need, whether it's temporary or whether it's over the long play. So definitely reach out to HyperionCapital.net and you can also call the number to get consultation. But you can always apply, and it's a soft pull. It doesn't kind of get you credit, just to kind of see where you're at. It's also sponsored by the 720 Life. Um, if you are seeking to get the credit repair that you need, if you were in the, if you have a subprime score, which is anything under 680, you definitely want to be hitting up um, myself or any of my colleagues. Um, have the expertise and the consultation to help you um, get over 680 to the 720 plateau where you can start getting better rates for your cars, for your homes, um, credit cards, business lines of credit. And as I mentioned earlier, um, if you have that dream, if you have that idea for a business, that definitely puts you in a position to uh, get your business going. So we're going to start off a little bit um, in the news here. Uh, a lot of stuff that's going on. I can't get to all of it uh, today, unfortunately. But what I am going to do is I'm going to talk about this Kellen Winslow situation. Uh, Kellen Winslow Jr., he has been charged with, uh, he has, well, basically he has kidnapping and rape charges, which is a pretty serious offense. Um, he's allegedly raped a 54-year-old woman, a 59-year-old woman, um, and I think uh, two other ladies, they, they were like in their 60s and 70s. So this is like some real crazy shit that's going on with his brother. Um, Obviously, he needs some type of uh, mental help. I mean, you know, Kellen Winslow Jr., um, people that do not know football, Kellen Winslow Sr., his dad, who was a, um, in college, was an all-pro out of the University of Mizzou. He was a Hall of Fame NFL tight end, probably one of the greatest before um, Shannon Sharp. And Tony Gonzalez is probably considered the greatest tight end in the history of the NFL. I mean, outstanding athlete, outstanding hands, 
Um, he was in that uh, Eric Coriel offense with the Chargers with Dan Fouts. So he was he, he did his thing in the NFL. Now his son, conversely, um, basically having the same name um, coming out of uh, San Diego High School. Um, probably around the same time as Reggie Bush was as well. He was in a different district. Um, a lot of big shoes to fill. Now that's that's tough, especially not only are you playing football as well, which happens a lot. I mean, a lot of athletes' children play. Um, but for some reason, it always seems that the, the ones that were marginal, were, it seems like it's hard to for the kid to be better than the legendary dad. Like, you know, Andrew Luck's dad played in the NFL, for instance. Well, he played in the NFL, but he wasn't, like, a Hall of Famer. You know, I think it's, uh, for some reason, the kids that make it when their dad just played in the NFL and wasn't a legend, it seemed like they always tend to be better. Uh, like Ed McCaffrey, you know, Ed McCaffrey was a, you know, he was a good receiver for the Denver Broncos. He wasn't great or anything, but he was good. Now you got his sons, um, Dylan is, you know, playing at University of Michigan. And then the oldest one is um, playing for the Carolina Panthers. So I think they're going to be very successful because, you know, it's, their dad played, but he wasn't like a household name. He wasn't considered a legend, just the greatest of all time and all that. You know, I think even Magic's, a couple of Magic sons who played, tried to play basketball, it just, it just didn't work out. Neither did it work out for Michael Jordan's sons either. I mean, they played on the Division One level, but I mean, when your dad's the greatest of all time, it's kind of hard. Now, I think I think Bronny Jr. has a chance just because, I don't know, man, he just kind of has that cool, laid-back personality. Doesn't seem like it's a big deal. So I think he can live up to the pressure. And, and I think Zion Wade, too, will live up to the pressure. Um, Dwayne Wade's son, he's a lefty. I don't think he's going to be as good as... Dwayne, I don't, I don't think LeBron's um, son obviously is going to be as good as LeBron, but I think they'll be good enough to play in the pros. But I think they kind of got the support system that they needed. Um, kind of like, hey, man, you know, it's, it's more of a better family situation that they're in. And, and I think that's the difference. So that's kind of where I'm going with this, you know, that when you, when you have a parent who is – a mega star and you're trying to basically duplicate the same thing it's hella difficult um king griffey jr was able to do it but i think he was so good that it was it wasn't enough pressure it wasn't as much pressure even though king griffey senior was good he still was not a hall of famer like his son was uh the same can be saying same can be said for barry bonds dad uh, the same can be said for Dale Curry. I mean, Steph Curry. I mean, Dale Curry was great, but he was pretty much a role player. He wasn't an all-star. He, he was just a specialist. He was a great three-point shooter. So it made it a lot easier for Steph and Curry to come into the league. He's like, oh, okay, that's Dale Curry's boy. But it's kind of like, you know, 
if you don't make it, it's not as much as a disappointment. The same with Clay Thompson. Like, you know, Clay Thompson's dad um, played in the NBA. You know, Michael Thompson was a role player. But as again, when you see, when you see the mega stars like the Michael Jordans, the Magics, you know, I mean, Larry Bird had kids. We don't even know about Larry Bird's sons, right? You know, um, Shaq. You know, it's it's a little bit of pressure, man. I think it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of high expectations, and and I think that's what happened with uh, Kellen Winslow Jr. Just a lot of pressure, uh, especially you're playing the same position as your dad. So he goes on to the University of Miami. He wins the national title. I think one of the greatest um, college football teams ever assembled. That. That my those Miami teams from like 2000 to like 2003. I mean, I think probably had the biggest collection of NFL talent at one time. I mean, you're talking about Kellen Winslow Jr., who later on became a top five pick in the NFL draft. He didn't even start right away. He was the backup to Jeremy Shockey. You also had Clint Portis on that team. Frank Gore, Pro Bowler. Clint Portis, Pro Bowler. Um, Willis McGahee, Pro Bowler. Najee Davenport, Pro Bowler. Hines Ray Johnson, Hall of Famer, Pro Bowler. Santana Moss. I mean, Brian McKinney. Stocker McDougal. Uh, Ed Reed. Antrell Roll. Uh, DJ Williams. Uh, Jonathan Vilma. I mean, it was just... I mean, I, I, I'm forgetting a lot of guys, but that those guys from that era, I mean, it was just just amazing, man, especially on the skill positions. But anyway, oh, I forgot about Devin Hester as well. He was on that team. Um, so he kind of had some issues with the I'm a fucking soldier thing, that situation that happened um, at Miami. He kind of snapped. It kind of raised some flags there. Uh, he had an outstanding um, sophomore season, but his uh, junior season, I think, when everybody was hyping him up, saying he was going to be the, you know, the top pick in the draft that coming year, he kind of fell off. But he gets drafted by the Cleveland Browns. He um, he gets in a motorcycle accident, which is ridiculous. I mean, any person that if you're playing, especially if you're playing in the NFL, in the NBA, it's just stupid. You know, you saw what happened to Jason Williams. He ruined his career on a fucking bike. I mean, you're playing basketball, you're playing football. I can understand if you play golf, you know, if you're a NASCAR driver, hey, man, you go ski and do all that crazy shit you want, man. You, you playing a sport where your ankles and your knees and all that shit is important. Why the fuck would you have a motorcycle, let alone a crotch rocket? And I think Kellen Winslow, I think he fucked himself up in the parking lot. He wasn't even riding for real. He was just learning how to ride. So he fucked up his knee, uh, tried to come, tried to rush it. Uh, he got a staph infection. And we already know from the Grand Hill situation, once you get a staph infection, it's like you fucks. It's like it's, it's never going to heal properly. It's never going to be the same. And that's what happened. Uh, and I think that's when his career just spiraled because 
I mean, from a talent standpoint, he was as good as his father. But I think mentally and emotionally, he just never had the equity um, to kind of sustain any type of adversity. I mean, you grew up rich, spoiled kid in San Diego. Everything's kind of laid out for you to get to Division One football. You were given, you won the DNA lottery for size, speed, and agility from your dad. And, but the handling of adversity part and uh, mental um, tenacity is kind of where he had issues. Dating back to his college days in Miami with the temper tantrums and, you know, the outbursts. So it, it carried on into the NFL. You know, the Browns eventually um, parted ways. He went to Tampa, signed a huge contract with Tampa. He had some good years, but he still had the lingering um, knee problems. Tampa let him go. I think he went to Seattle and I think New England for like maybe a year, a cup of coffee or something. So, I mean, he's 34 years old. I mean, technically, you know, Kellen Winslow should still be playing football. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, He's not, he's not super old, but, um, you know, he was out of the league, what, 30 years old? So, you know, he's married. He got married. He's living in San Diego. Obviously, you know, he's about to start building a family. And here we go with the goofy-ass shit, man. You're running around um, having dalliances with older women. You're... 34 years old, you're 6'4", you're in shape, you're um, wealthy, you have a beautiful wife, and but yet you're running around getting caught up with senior citizens, basically. It's just very sad. So I don't know what the outcome is. I don't know if these situations were um, consensual. I think, obviously... The last two were not if you're forcing yourself inside somebody's house. So it's, it's, some, it's some crazy shit going on with Kellen Winslow, man. Um, unfortunately, I don't think this is the end of it. So I'm just going to have to wait and see where it goes. Uh, also in the news, we have this uh, Chief Keith uh, Takashi 69 situation. Um, basically, it's like, you know, Takashi 69, man, is really really asking for he running around in the shot you know with the police talking shit you know getting money in a cheap key one of cheap keys many baby mamas and my thing is man if you really want to do something to chief keith man just get in the studio and and do it the real way and 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 out bar the kid you know do a do a dog ass this song and just be done with it you know all this so goofy ass shit you know going to Chicago and giving his baby mama $10,000 you know and, and another thing about that situation you know I guess Chief Keefe's uh, baby mama saying he don't take care of his kids but apparently you ain't taking care of your kids either because when you got that $10,000 you went and bought some bullshit with it you bought some a purse and some other bullshit and I didn't hear nothing about you taking that $10,000 and helping out your kids. So if you wanted money for your kids so bad, that was your opportunity. 
So miss me with that bullshit because you had an opportunity to, you know, do some stuff for your kid for ten thousand dollars. You know, you could have took him to Disney World. You could have took him to whatever. You could have did all type of shit with that. You bought some bullshit with it, so you're no different, sweetheart. But anyway, uh, we have the Triple X Extension murder, assault, robbery in Florida. Uh, kind of looks like he was set up. So Mike, he was kind of tipped off as to his whereabouts. As soon as he exited this uh, restaurant, he was robbed and killed. Um, very sad. And, you know, we got to start. We got to chill and get off of the whole cell phone thing when somebody gets shot, man. I mean, that's 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 just some stupid-ass shit that, you know, we're starting to do. When somebody gets shot, somebody getting the ass beat. You know, we want to pull out our phone and start recording shit. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's not cool, man. You know, you need to be using that phone to be calling 911, trying to get help, trying to make sure the brother can uh, possibly get his life saved. And, you know, this guy's, you know, on his last dying breath, and you, you got people sitting there filming this shit, man, which is some sick shit. I mean, I wasn't... Um, you know, I never really got into his music. I mean, he was a controversial guy. Um, I think just recently Spotify um, banned his music. Or they, uh, not banned it, but they kind of like put it, made it very difficult for you to get access to it on this on their platform. So obviously he was uh, saying some things that wasn't uh, flattering to the masses. But, you know, he kind of had a niche following, you know. Kind of had a, um, he had a he had a great follow. I know he talked about uh, mental health a lot, his mental health issues, and I think you know he was really speaking his truth. You know, whatever that was, you know, even if it was disturbing to some, but I mean, you know, we see disturbing shit all the time. You know, we see it in movies, we see it, you know, in documentaries, and I mean, we've seen the most disturbing shit in Charlottesville last year when basically it was a white supremacist, a violent white supremacist rally in Charlottesville and when you hear about companies uh, doing anything about Richard Spencer and all these other white supremacist groups but you know, you want to subverse uh, an R.B. singer but whatever, or a rapper whatever floats your boat we're going to get into the LeVar Ball JBA League, it debuted yesterday um, I think two games. I think it was Chicago and Atlanta. I think played, and I think um, LA and New York teams played. Uh, I watched a little bit of it. Um, you know, it's basketball. Uh, is it NBA basketball? But no. But you know, it was cool. It was good to see. Uh, you know, Melo play. I think Melo had an outstanding game. Um, he had like forty points, twelve assists, nine rebounds. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, you know, guys talk about Zion Williamson. I think Zion Williamson played in South Carolina. I mean, I, I'm not really sold on him. We'll see. I mean, obviously, he's uh, super athletic. Um, but, you know, I, I think Melo's playing against some pretty good competition. I mean, these guys can obviously play. I mean, you ain't. I think in high school, I mean, I don't think you play against that many good players. I mean, you play against the principal's nephew and shit like that. I mean, 
it was times Zion Williamson was pretty much in autopilot. I mean, he would play for, what, the first three quarters and sit out the whole fourth quarter. So I, I think this is a good gauge for how good Melo is. I mean, he's playing against some competition. He's playing against guys older than him. And for him to put up those type of numbers is pretty impressive. Um, the JBA League, um, you can check out those games streaming on Facebook. All you got to just go search for JBA Basketball League. And, you know, you can find it on Facebook. You can watch it live. You can watch the recordings of it. Uh, I think it's great, man. I'm happy for LeVar Ball that he was able to get a junior league started. I think um, this is something that's necessary. Uh, the NCAA, to me, is just a criminal enterprise in my opinion I mean they exploit um, kids they exploit um, so called student athletes they make millions and millions billions of dollars they don't pay taxes you know they don't want to pay the, the people who are giving or making them that money and I just think it's time for the NCAA to just be put out of business so I'm all forward you know, you got guys like, you know, coaches like you know, Earl Watson involved. I mean, you know, I hope, you know, Ball can get a guy like a Rick Patino, you know, or Sean Miller, get those type of guys. I think if he can start getting those type of guys in and, and getting some more sponsorships, I think we're on to something. Uh, I think now you got some legs. Because I think eventually... Even if it's not the JBA, it will be other leagues like the G- JBA. It's like everybody's hating on the JBA. Oh, is this, is that. But they did the same thing about the Negro Leagues. So I hope he kind of sticks with it. And I hope he gets some legs and some sponsorship and some leverage. And he's able to keep it going and, and expand it. And there's a lot of coaches out here, man, who have been tossed to the side, who have been banished from NCAA because... Of these stupid ass rules, you know. I mean, you've got all these high-profile college athletes who, I mean, make millions and millions of dollars for these schools. The coaches get paid millions of dollars. You know, these college institutions make millions and millions of dollars, but the players get little or nothing. And you know, people want to talk about this whole education shit. Like, everybody can get the education on their own, man. That's what you got student loans for. That's why you got financial aid. So really, you know, it's it's inequitable and people just equivocating when they start talking about that the education you get is equal to the value that you bring to a university. You know, Deshaun Watson brought millions and millions of dollars to the University of Clemson. I mean, the education that he got at Clemson, it, it does not balance out the millions and probably millions of dollars that he made for that university. Okay, Ezekiel Elliott, what Ezekiel Elliott did for Ohio State, you know, with the, helping him recruit other guys to keep it going, you know, the revenue, people coming to the games, he made millions and millions of dollars for Ohio State. So, it's time, you know, you, you look at you know, in college basketball with DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley. I mean, you got guys of this ilk. These guys, you know, the Wendell Carters, the Michael Porter Juniors. These guys 
do not want to play in college. They don't want to go to college. They just want to play basketball, and that's it. So this whole one-year thing, like, well, we just got to get something. We got to get a nibble out of it. That's what this whole thing was about. The NCAA was like, well, I mean, you can't just let these guys just make money right away because we ain't going to make no money. So you, you got to get us something. We, we got to get them at least for a year before, you, you know, before we you, you turn them loose. So now hopefully this could possibly end. I mean, I, I want to see the NCAA just no longer exist. I, I mean... There's no need for the dupes. I mean, as much as I love Michigan basketball, as much as I am a Michigan fan, I mean, I can do without the NCAA. Um, it's going to be a lot more difficult. It's going to take a lot more money to do something what LeVar Ball is doing um, on the football standpoint. Because you got a lot more equipment. You got a lot more people on your rosters. Logistics and transportation and you know, you got to have more team doctors. It's going to be more injuries. Training facilities. Basketball is a lot easier. All you need is a gym. All you need is a gym, an arena, basketball. I mean, you just you load up a bus and you go play. I mean, it's a lot more easier to get basketball going. But I think um, eventually somebody's going to come up with a way Maybe an Amazon. I, I think if Amazon or Apple, if they were smart, they would build a college football league equivalent to what we have in the NCAA. If you just took a billion dollars and invested it, you start paying these high school players, you start paying these college coaches, go get Bob Stoops, you know, Go, go get these guys, man. Let them coach these kids up. Give them their money. And they go to the NFL. I mean, we don't need the NCAA anymore. You know, it's either they're going to change the rules or they're going to go out of business. So hopefully, you know, I'd rather just see them just out of business. Anyway, um... We're going to get into uh, the topic later on today. Uh, we're going to talk about um, relationships and finances, uh, particularly in marriages. You know, is, is it the, the, the whole traditional um, archetype of the man paying all the bills? Is that, is that still in play? Does that still exist? Uh, what, are, what are the financial um, just... What, what is the financial obligations? What is the financial tank what, what what is the ideal financial archetype is there one in the in a marriage you know or in these uh, relationships you know because you got bills you got rent you got expenses who should pay what how much is it 50 50 should the man pay for everything does money matter relationships all that we're gonna we're gonna get into that later on um subject of bag talk so stay tuned for that